What's up and welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today in today's episode. We have a great topic that we're going to dive into. The topic for today is five underrated weight loss strategies that actually work. I'm not going to be throwing gimmicks or hacks or like some stupid supplements at you in this episode. Uh, We're going to dive into some strategies that uh, are really, really effective. These are strategies I use with my one-on-one online fitness coaching clients. These are strategies I use for myself. These are strategies that have research evidence that prove that they work. Like there's a lot of good stuff here uh, revolving around some of these strategies I'm going to share with you today. And um, these are things that are going to be outside of, I think, the fundamental principles uh, in a way. There are some things that you, obviously, obviously everybody needs to do if you want to lose weight. You know, you need to restrict calories at least a little bit. You need to get yourself in a calorie deficit. You know, if you want to be maximizing your body composition, there are going to be different things you're going to need to do with your exercise program, with strength training and and some cardio here and there, step count, like all this type of stuff. What I'm going to specifically focus on in today's episode are things that you can do uh, from a nutritional perspective. So things that you can manipulate with your diet and with your diet strategy um, to make weight loss easier, more effective, more efficient. Um, And these go, like I said, beyond just those core fundamental principles. I'm not going to uh, spend, I don't know, however long this episode ends up being, half hour, 45 minutes, an hour. I'm not going to spend all that time just telling you about a calorie deficit. I think everybody probably knows that by now. Um, And if you don't, there are a ton of episodes back in the podcast feed that you can scroll through and listen and learn about what that is, or you can go on my website and learn more about a calorie deficit. I'm going to assume that you know you need to be in a calorie deficit. Beyond that, there are some interesting strategies and and variables that you can manipulate in your diet to make progress uh, and hopefully make the entire journey as efficient as it possibly can be. So we're going to dive into five underrated weight loss strategies that work. Uh, Before we do, though, I want to uh, just give a quick plug here and a reminder um, that training camp. Training camp is coming on August 7th. If you missed last week's episode, I gave a big announcement about training camp um, and what we're doing here. So I will rehash some of the details in case you missed that episode. But training camp is essentially uh, a 90-day challenge. It's a three-month challenge for you uh, to work with me on a personalized training and nutrition program uh, to get you set up for success, not only in the short term, but in the long term as well. Well, and we're going to launch it on August 7th, which is right around the time when, you know, a lot of football teams are getting into training camp and gathering together to get in shape, to get their game plans in place for the season to come, uh, you know, put, put strategies in place so that they can be successful over the next two, three, four months of their seasons. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you probably know I'm a pretty big Uh, football fan. And if you watch the video episodes, there's a lot of football stuff behind me that you've seen before. Um, So I love football. I thought it would be really cool to kind of like take that training camp concept that happens for those football teams, but apply it to you and make this the opportunity for you and I to get together to basically do the same exact thing. What we're going to do is prepare you for the most challenging time of year um, and really help you make progress in the back half of 2023 when most people are not going to make progress. Most people are not going to go into September, October, November, December with a plan. uh, And that means they're probably going to fall in the same category of what most people end up doing, which is your health deteriorates. uh, You gain more weight as you get into the holiday season and stuff like that. We're not going to let that be you. So when you sign up for training camp, you're making a commitment to yourself that like this year is going to be different. This year, you're going to start to create those healthy habits that are going to allow you to make progress right now, but also allow you to maintain and sustain that progress long term so that you can continue to set bigger and better goals for yourself with your health and fitness. All right. So it's going to be a really fun opportunity to uh, do that for yourself. Again, personalized training and nutrition program for you. I will coach you every step of the way. I'll set you up with everything that you need so that you can really just show up and put in the work 
and have confidence that what you're doing uh, is going to work. Um, and then obviously, I'm going to be there every step of the way. We'll have weekly check-ins. Um, I'll be there to answer any questions that you have along the way. You'll receive access to my client portal, which is a series of video modules that dive into different topics of training and nutrition to help you learn how to manage this stuff for yourself. Um, in the spirit of training camp, there's going to be monthly challenges. So I am going to push you. I'm going to challenge you. I want you to develop healthy habits while you're doing this challenge. Uh, and so each month there's going to be a challenge where you can basically work on your consistency in these different areas of health and fitness and those that do the best, those that impress me the most, and those that really make the most meaningful change uh, will have the opportunity to win prizes. And those could be new pieces of home gym equipment. It could be free fitness supplements. Uh, I'm going to be giving away some Amazon gift cards. There's going to be some other stuff involved. There's going to be a lot of really, really good items here uh, that you can win while also winning with your health and fitness and making progress together. So uh, at the end of it, there's also going to be an opportunity to continue after the the 90 days, after the three months uh, with one-on-one online coaching with me. Uh, I will have a few spots. It'll just depend on how things pan out uh, by the end of that challenge. Uh, but there most likely will be some spots available for you if you want to continue as well. Um, so Enrolling in training camp is a awesome opportunity for you. I am unbelievably excited for it. And to top it off, to top all of that stuff off, uh, on August 7th, for a week there, August 7th to 14th, I'm going to be offering a 50% discount on your first month. So of those three months, of those 90 days, the first 30 days, the first month of those three months is going to be 50% off. So there's going to be an unbelievable sale. Uh, so you can sign up for coaching at a much lower price than normal. Um, and then you get all of those things that I just ran through uh, as well. And last year, uh, we did this. It was a huge success. People that signed up and uh, you know followed through on the commitment saw they lost a combined over 120 pounds, uh, more than 34 inches off their waistlines. Um, the, the people that I worked with also added literally hundreds of pounds to their squatting, their pressing, their rowing, their compound exercises, and their strength training programs. So it's not all about just losing weight, right? This is, this is not a weight race. This is not a rapid fat loss race. This is a lifestyle change program and it's a lifestyle change challenge for you. So whether you want to lose fat, lose weight, build muscle, uh, whatever the case may be, we will be able to set you up with a program that works uh, and then challenge you along the way to uh, be consistent and establish these healthy lifestyle habits. So I'm really, really excited about it. Just giving you that date again, August 7th is the day that you can start to sign up. Um, There is a link in the show notes to this episode uh, to a article on my website that explains everything you need to know about training camp. So if you're interested in it, hit that link in the show notes and that will take you to more information where you can learn about you know, the details of training camp, what can you, you can expect. And then also on my website, you can find, you know, where you'll be able to apply, uh, and and get that 50% discount starting on August 7th. So good, good, good. You know what? Damn it. Great. Great stuff is coming. I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. Um, and with that said, let's dive into the topic of today's episode, which again is five underrated weight loss strategies uh, that actually work. All right, and I'm going to start this discussion off. There are a couple of things in this list that are topics or or concepts that I've mentioned before. I haven't done full episodes on any of these topics, um, but uh, there are some that I've mentioned here and there before. So what I'm going to do is start off with the, the concepts that I have rarely, if ever, talked about on the podcast. And the first one that I want to dive into in terms of underrated weight loss strategies that work is actually diet breaks. Um, And just by hearing diet break, that sounds backwards. It's like, okay, we're trying to lose weight, so we're taking a break from our diet. And uh, let me explain to you what a diet break is first. So a diet break, I mean, the name is pretty self-explanatory and straightforward. A diet break is where you take a break from being in a calorie deficit and consistently trying to lose weight. Now, why would you do this? What what are the benefits of this? The reason diet breaks can be really, really effective and why they're kind of underrated 
um, is because you know the the process of making meaningful change. And I, I say this to my my coaching clients, my online coaching clients, all the time. The, the folks that want to lose weight. Um, it takes a long time to lose weight uh, and make meaningful, sustainable change. Like you can drop, I don't know, a bunch of water weight in one to two weeks, uh, but that water weight is going to come back right after you get back to eating like you normally do because you can't really make meaningful change in one to two weeks. Um, and any weight that you lose that quickly is going to be primarily just water weight and other stuff. Um, so, to make meaningful change, you need to diet for an extended period of time. Um, I actually, when people sign up for coaching, I, I tell them, okay, we're, we're doing this for a minimum of three months. So know that up front uh, because it takes a, a long time to, to be able to do this the right way and establish habits and, and make things, um, you know, actually make it be a productive experience for you. Uh, and so with that being the case, you know, you got to be in a calorie deficit, which means you gonna, you're going to have to manage your diet in a different way. And there's going to be a little bit of restriction involved, right? You're going to have to drop calories, which means you're eating less food. You're probably eating whether or not you include all of your favorite foods in your diet. You can do that. Uh, but if you are, whatever your favorite foods are, you're probably eating them either less frequently or in smaller, uh, in smaller serving sizes, portion sizes. Um, and that can that can be tough to do for a long time. So if you're doing that for two, three, four, five months uh, straight, there's a certain amount of just diet fatigue that comes with that. And what is diet fatigue? Diet fatigue is any type of fatigue that you experience from doing those things, from restricting, from lowering your calories, from being in a calorie deficit, and from sticking to this plan consistently for an extended period of time. Uh, so, you know, in terms of how that typically plays out, there's obviously the mental aspect of things. I think that's the biggest one where diet fatigue mentally is like you just get burnt out on tracking constantly and constantly having to push certain foods away that you really want to eat. And, uh, you know, you don't necessarily always get that mental uh, and emotional satisfaction of having some of the foods that you really love, uh, that, that adds up. That takes, a, that takes a lot. It takes a toll. It takes a toll on you the more you diet, the longer you diet, and the more you're consistent. Um, now, from the training side of things, there's some fatigue there, right? When you're in a calorie deficit and you're continuing to train, and that can be with strength training or cardio, but typically you're, I mean, if you're doing it right, you're doing both of those things. Um, your recovery demands are inherently higher when you're training in a calorie deficit. Because if you think about how that normally plays out, uh, when you train, after that training session, your body goes into recovery mode, right? And your brain is signaling to your body, there are all these different things we need to do to recover, adapt, repair muscle tissue, uh, and get you back to baseline. Or, you know, if you're in a surplus and you're eating more calories, uh, your, your body will then utilize those additional calories to try and grow and, and build new muscle tissue and adapt. Um, so you're, you're training at a certain intensity level and there's a recovery demand that comes with that. And then when you drop into a calorie deficit, your training really shouldn't change all that much. But what does change is you have less energy coming in because calories are energy coming in. Um, and so that means from a recovery standpoint, after the training session and your body goes into recovery mode, it just has less resources for you to utilize to get back to baseline. And so the longer you're in a calorie deficit, the longer that you diet, uh, the the more that kind of takes a toll and adds up and builds up, um, and uh, you know it can be difficult then when you get into month three, month four, month five of being in a calorie deficit and you continue to train on low calories, your body is going to start giving you some signals that like okay. When is this going to end? Uh, muscle soreness is is maybe a bit more noticeable than it used to be. My joints feel creaky, um, and so that that's an aspect of this too. So there's there's mental fatigue, there's training fatigue, there's diet fatigue, and when you have all of those things adding up, to to bring it back to the point here, um, diet breaks can be a great opportunity to give yourself a break, give your body a break mentally, physically, emotionally, really across the board. Um, and so how I normally do this with my one-on-one -on -one online fitness coaching clients is 
I typically try to align a diet break with a phase of training. And and now I've I've explained this a bit on the podcast before, but how I normally normally when when everything is, you know, structured and 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 life cooperates, normally what we'll do is have four week phases of training. And so I'll have like a training block is normally around 8 weeks, and so within that training block there'll be two different 4 week phases. And so what I like to do is take one of those four week phases and when, you know, the, if, if we're getting those signs and symptoms from a client where they say, okay, like, I, you know, from, from a mental and physical standpoint, I'm feeling it. I could really use a diet break. Um, it, it, actually, you know what? That's funny because a lot of times people don't come to me and say, I need a diet break. They don't even know what it is. Uh, but I'll kind of just like read and react to how the, the person is is feeling and operating within their program. And if we see those things surface, then I'll say, you know what? A diet break might be a really good idea. And so we hit a diet break for around four weeks. We align it with the, the next phase of training. And what a diet break typically means is you bump calories up. You, you increase calories, uh, normally back to maintenance in some instances it could even be beneficial to go into a very slight surplus um, but you know normally what you would do is take wherever you are in your calorie deficit bump the calories up to maintenance and that person eats at maintenance for that phase of training that's normally how I do it and there's a number of different ways you can do it you don't have to do four weeks you could do two weeks or one week really it's all very person specific and dependent on the scenario but this is a good kind of like template that that I can share um, and normally I don't hit diet breaks with my clients unless they've been dieting for an extended period of time and I know that they've been unbelievably consistent because like you know how some of this stuff plays out is it's hard to be in a calorie deficit consistently for 90 days, 120 days, 150 days. That's a long time to consistently be doing everything right. Uh, so when a person has truly done that, a diet break can be effective. Now, if you've been dieting, but like, you know, across the uh, across one month, you have like two weekends where ah, you weren't really in a calorie deficit. You were probably at maintenance or maybe even a surplus because you went out, you had a bunch of drinks, you ate like pizza after the bars and stuff like that. Well, okay, you're probably not a candidate for a diet break. Um, you probably you know have been uh, kind of doing intermittent diet breaks throughout your program. So that's an important distinction there. Um, but let's talk about how this could be you know set up with some hypothetical numbers. So let's say. And again, purely hypothetical numbers. Uh, don't take these numbers and use them. Let's say you were in a calorie deficit at like 1,700 calories. Um, what we could do for your diet break is bump you up to whatever your maintenance is. So if your maintenance is like 22,000 calories, 2,100 calories, we would bump you up to those maintenance calories and we would continue essentially doing everything the same. Uh, you would continue training. The, the phase of training would continue on. You'd probably notice as that phase of training goes on that you have more energy because you're getting more calories. You're getting more energy coming in. Um, and you know when you have those higher calories, when you go up to maintenance, it doesn't mean like you can abandon all structure. We still need to be structured. We still need to be deliberate with your decision making. Um, but you're going to inherently have more flexibility in your diet too include some of those foods you haven't had in a while, you know, uh, have uh, a bit more flexibility in your diet so that you can have an indulgence here or there. Uh, but it, it, it really, the, the best way to do it is to more or less continue eating a lot of the same foods you were eating when you were dieting, but uh, you can eat larger quantities of them, right? So we're still getting a lot of whole nutritious foods in your diet. Again, don't abandon all structure, um, but you're able to eat more of those nutritious foods, which means you're going to be feeling more full after each meal. And that's really nice from a mental standpoint, like just that full feeling when you haven't had it for a while, it's very, very satisfying. Um, and then you can sprinkle some of those foods in there that maybe you would consider an indulgence or two. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's, that's essentially how it would operate and, and maintenance bumping it up to maintenance is nice because when you bump it up to maintenance, a lot of people think like, oh, I'm not going to gain any weight. I'll stay at the exact same weight every day moving forward. And like, yeah, I guess like in theory, that, that's the that's the goal. That's how we would like it to play out. But generally speaking, when you go from a calorie deficit to bumping it up to your maintenance level calories, um, maintenance uh, by bumping your calories up to maintenance, you're going to have probably more carbs 
in your diet. You're probably going to have more sodium because you're eating more food. And those things are going to cause the scale to go up. You got to understand that because the scale is going up, it doesn't mean you've gained body fat. You're retaining a little bit more water because you have you know, a bit more of those resources coming into your body. And that's okay because then ideally, if you do it right, you don't abandon all structure. You're deliberate with your decision-making. You continue to eat a lot of the same foods that you already had been eating, but just in larger quantities. Well, then when the diet breaks over, we go back into your calorie deficit at the start of the next phase, um, you should pretty quickly see that type of water weight come off and then you can just continue on with the process. And having, again, having that diet break is really, really beneficial to just give you a break. I mean, that's what it's designed to do. It gives you a break um, after an extended period of time of being in a calorie deficit uh, you're able to kind of shrug off some of those different types of fatigue, enjoy your diet a little bit more uh, for a few weeks, and then get back into the process of being in a calorie deficit. So for extended weight loss phases, for extended calorie defic- deficits, if you have a lot of body fat to lose, diet breaks are, I think, an underrated strategy and something that will set you up for more progress long term, as opposed to just trying to run your body into the ground and hammer away at a calorie deficit forever and ever and ever. That tends to be tough in terms of long-term progress, because if you allow yourself to get so burnt out on the process, um, there's a higher likelihood that then as time goes on, you get so burnt out, you get so much diet fatigue and physical fatigue and mental fatigue that you end up binging on a lot of those foods that you didn't allow yourself to have. And so then you gain a bunch of weight back because you were just too restrictive for too long. Um, This is a, the diet breaks are a strategy that's rooted in sustainability. So it's going to take you longer to make the progress you want to make, but that's okay because at the end of the day, like you're not in a race, you're not racing anybody. Uh, If you're doing, if you're doing this for like a bodybuilding show or something, then maybe a diet break isn't the right thing for you to do. It just depends on, you know, how that all maps out for you. But for like a lifestyle change, for sustainable change that you can maintain, diet breaks are really, really uh, positive. And it's funny, you know, there's like some research out there that suggests maybe diet breaks aren't effective. Um, and I, I, I just, I completely disagree with it just because I've used diet breaks for myself and with my clients. And I find that like, if you are somebody that's able to be responsible, and like I said, you're able to not abandon all of your structure it can be a really, really effective tool. Okay, for underrated weight loss strategy that works, number two, I'm gonna kind of go in an exact opposite direction from diet breaks, and I wanna talk to you about accelerated fat loss phases. So this, like I said, would be essentially the exact opposite of a diet break. A diet break is where you bump calories up for an extended period of time to promote flexibility and enjoyment and reduce diet fatigue. Accelerated fat loss phases would be where you cut calories low and and probably low to a point where you would say, okay, if I was to eat this many calories for an extended period of time, this would be completely unsustainable. The reason I like accelerated fat loss phases is because you do it knowing that you're doing it for a very short period of time. It's a strategy for people that need to get a lot of body fat off where you can dig for three or four weeks and try to get a nice chunk of weight off so that at the end of that accelerated fat loss phase, you know that you're increasing calories back up to whatever they may be. And we could talk about how the the calories work here uh, in a second. But this is another one that I lose, I use with my online fitness coaching clients as well for the folks that want to lose body fat. Um, and it's, it's something that, again, it doesn't sound sustainable, but it is sustainable because you know, there's an end point to it. And this is so distinctly different than what most people do in general with their diet when they want to lose fat, when they want to lose weight. Most people, if they want to lose weight, are just going to restrict, restrict, restrict as much as possible to see the scale go down as quickly as it possibly can and to lose weight as quickly as they possibly can so that they can just get back to eating the way they always did. And I don't like that. Uh, that that it goes so against my coaching philosophy in terms of nutrition because I think if you're going to lose weight, you should do so in a way that 
you can learn how to manage your diet long term. So that's why I don't like keto. I don't like carnivore. I don't like restriction diets. And I don't like, you know, really like accelerated fat loss diets because they inherently are going to force you to really restrict, cut out food groups, um, and that's not how you would normally eat, I wouldn't think. Uh, The vast majority of people aren't good at cutting out entire food groups or saying, I'm never going to eat some of these foods again for the rest of my life. That It's just most people cannot or, or are not willing to do that. So what I would rather see everybody do is take a little bit longer to lose that weight and do it in a way where you can include a lot of the foods that you would like to have as part of your normal diet, but learn how to portion them appropriately. Learn how to put game plans in place for yourself appropriately so that you can have a flexible, more sustainable diet. If you lose weight that way, if you make progress that way, then once you get to whatever your goal body weight is, it's going to be unbelievably more easy to maintain that goal body weight than it would be if you did it in some extra aggressive way. But I do do these accelerated fat loss phases with my clients on occasion when it makes the most sense. And I'm actually having some of my clients transition into accelerated fat loss phases this summer because we know as we look ahead, a lot of folks are, you know, parents and uh, it's an easier time of year to do it now because fall is going to come up soon and there's so many activities and things going on with the family. Uh, I work with some football fans who love traveling during football season and that's going to be much harder for them to you know, be in, in, in a more of an aggressive deficit. So we're doing it now to kind of get some weight off so that we can sustain a more healthy body weight when that busy period of time comes. Um, so Again, an accelerated fat loss phase is a short period of time where you cut calories lower than you would probably consider to be sustainable, but you do that because you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And again, with diet breaks, I mentioned I align them with a phase of training. I like to do this with uh, in alignment with a phase of training as well, and typically, if it works out, we'll do for a four-week phase, we'll do an accelerated fat loss phase during that phase of training. Um, And, you know, this is typically best done, I think, after at least a couple months of you being in a more sustainable calorie deficit. For most people, I wouldn't just throw you into an accelerated fat loss phase at first and then say we're going to back it off. I think that's that's, that's a hard way to learn. That's a hard way to learn. I think it's a lot easier to learn by getting in a moderate calorie deficit, finding ways to make that sustainable, learn how to track your calories, learn how to hit your protein, learn how to incorporate some of the foods that you love while being in a deficit. And then once you do that and you start to experience some progress, then we can say, okay, we're going to hit a fat loss phase, an accelerated fat loss phase, excuse me, but then see that you know we're going to on whatever the date may be bump the calories back up and then we bump when we bump them back up that you're still going to be in a calorie deficit that progress is just going to come more slowly and that's because we want it to be sustainable and I don't want to run you into the ground and I don't think that's effective um, so you know that's that's typically how it works and now something I like to do with my clients when we set up an accelerated fat loss phase is we do drop those calories to something that would be you know much much lower. Um, but I like to have a couple of high calorie days in there. So across the week, a seven day week, we may have five low calorie days and then two high calorie days. Oftentimes the high calorie days come best when you know it's the weekend because that's normally when most people want to have a bit more flexibility. It's honestly, it's not hard during the work week uh, to keep your diet in check, I don't think, for most people. Because most people tend to have a routine where, you know, when you're working Monday through Friday, you wake up in the morning, you have the same breakfast, you go to work, you have the routine that happens during work, you come home, you have dinner, you go to bed and you repeat it day after day after day during the work week. But on the weekends, you wake up, you want to do stuff with the family, you want to go out to dinner, whatever the case may be, it's a bit different. The routine is different. Uh, so I think it's it's often easiest to have high calorie days on the weekend, low calorie days during the week, but you can honestly structure this however you want. So like pick five days of the week where you're going to go low calorie. You can float two high calorie days uh, across the the seven day week, wherever they're going to fit best for you. And uh, to be clear, high calorie days doesn't mean you're in a surplus. 
high calorie days would probably be more of like, okay, where where was your moderate calorie deficit, your sustainable calorie deficit before you hit this accelerated fat loss phase? Those would probably be your high calorie day numbers. And then low calorie days would be, you know, 10, 15, 20% lower than those, uh, you know, depending on you individually, you know, there, there are so many different factors that go into how you would set this up for yourself. So again, like we could throw out some hypothetical numbers. Um, if your calorie deficit, your moderate calorie deficit is 2000 calories a day, we might drop it in an accelerated fat loss phase. We might Monday through Friday, drop that down to like 1600. But then on the weekends, you get to go back up to 2,000 so that you're you know, still in the deficit, but you get a little bit more flexibility and can enjoy yourself a bit more uh, on the weekends. So uh, another underrated weight loss strategy, and it works, uh, but, but I have to stress, this is for a short period of time. This is inherently unsustainable if you want to do it for any longer than like four weeks. I would not recommend that, uh, but... After you're in a deficit for a while, this can be pretty effective to structure it into your routine. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, I mentioned for the diet break, you can't abandon all structure. For this accelerated fat loss phase, on your high calorie days, again, you cannot abandon all structure, okay? So you have more flexibility on those high calorie days, but you still need to be deliberate with your decision making. You still need to track and you still need to understand that the high calorie days still have you in a calorie deficit, so you're not going to be able to eat an entire pizza. Uh, it's it, that, that's not how it works. You just get to maybe have an extra snack or two, or you get to have a bigger portion size here or there, uh, you know, th- on on the weekend days or whenever you you structure those high calorie days. But it's definitely a strategy that can work, and uh, if the way I described it sounds good for you and like it would fit in your routine at some point, um, then it's something that you could give a try. Underrated weight loss strategy that works. Number three, this one is going to be all about addition to your diet and nothing about subtraction, um, which is backwards. I think for most people, uh, occasionally I'll have a client come on where, um, I notice something about their diet and I say, you know what? All I want you to do in the first couple of weeks is eat more of this. And that thing is protein. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people could make an unbelievable amount of progress with weight loss and with fat loss just by tracking their protein and focusing on eating more protein, like considerably more protein than you're eating right now. And the reason for that is uh, most people don't eat nearly enough. Uh, the re- Even the recommendations that are out there from, I don't know, like the the... What's, what's the government government entity here in the United States that, is it the USDA, whatever the case may be, the Food and Drug Administration, whoever puts the recommendations out there, uh, like the recommendation for daily protein uh, for Americans is, is laughable. Um, and I've talked a lot about protein recommendations and what your goal protein can or should be. Um, for this strategy, for this underrated strategy in terms of eating more protein, um, what I would recommend you do is try and eat the goal, like the ultimate goal protein intake right off the bat. Normally, what I'll do with a client when they come on and we find that they don't eat very much protein is we'll slowly and incrementally try to tick that up over time. And that in and of itself is often quite challenging when you don't eat a lot of protein. But Something that can be really effective is instead of focusing on all of the little details and minutia that you can with your entire diet, you want to lose weight, you're not eating a lot, a lot of protein, take your, uh, what is it? Take your height in centimeters, whatever that number is, I want you to eat that many grams of protein every day and successfully do it. Like do everything you can to eat that many grams of protein a day. I think I'm like right around 180 centimeters tall. So that would mean I would try to eat 180 grams of protein right off the bat. And what happens most of the time is that that amount of protein is so much more than you're accustomed to that 
you get full and you eat less calories because you're trying to eat so much protein. Now, the reason that that happens is because protein is so filling. Protein is the most filling macronutrient. I'm sure you've heard me say that on the podcast before. When you compare protein to fats to carbohydrates, protein is the most filling. We know that to be true. So obviously, the more protein that you're eating, the fuller you're going to feel in your diet. And that's really, really helpful when you're trying to lose weight and trying to lose body fat and getting a calorie deficit. So um, if you're loading up on protein and that's so drastically different than your current routine, it's going to make you feel really full in the meals that you eat, which probably means you're not going to be so enticed to add in the fries or the tater tots or the you know dessert after uh, lunch or dinner, whatever the case may be. You'll be so full on protein that you'll feel satisfied and you won't need to eat more, which will inherently lower the calories that you're eating on a daily basis. can be very, very, very effective, okay? Underrated. Most people don't think, I want to lose weight. I should eat more of something. So eat more is pretty nice to hear, and this works pretty well for most people when you start a diet. Now, as the diet goes on and as you get used to eating that much protein, you will to a degree, lose like that very high satiety, that very high full feeling once you get used to eating so much protein. And then you're going to probably have to transition into some type of strategy where you do start tracking your calories um, and manage more variables in your diet. But at the start of a diet, this can be very, very effective. Now, there's one caveat that I want to mention. And when you do this, if you do this, one thing that you should focus on is making sure that the protein sources you eat are those lean protein sources. And and another way to say that is probably limit the amount of protein you eat from like red red meat or f- other fatty cuts of meat because protein sources the easiest way to get protein in is by consuming animal protein, so chicken, beef, fish, uh you know, just animal protein. Uh and there are so many different varieties of animal protein that you can eat. Some of them are very fatty, and when you have the the fattier versions of those protein sources, um, you know, fat ha- it's calorie dense, so it's going to add up in calories, and that can make this strategy not work as well if you're constantly eating like you know eighty percent lean ground beef. You know, there's a lot of fat that comes with that that is going to increase the calorie content. Uh, significantly more than it would if all of that protein was coming from, you know, like a lean chicken breast. So lean into the lean uh, cuts of protein in terms of animal protein. Don't try to do this with just supplements. It's not going to work. If you're just drinking 180 grams of protein uh, from shakes, you're not going to feel full. It's also going to just be that's, I think, in a number of ways, not very comfortable, right? So we're trying to eat our protein here, and I want you to eat that goal number, that optimal high number of protein. Again, your height in centimeters, that's how many grams of protein you should eat a day. Uh, Again, another underrated weight loss strategy that could work, and this one especially is effective at the very beginning of a weight loss diet. All right, this next one, uh, underrated weight loss strategy that works number four is, uh, it's kind of the flip side of, well, I wouldn't say it's the flip side of number three. Uh, It'll build on number three. So focus on adding more protein. This one, underrated strategy number four, uh, is to focus on not only protein, but fiber and water as well, and make those the pillars of your diet. There's a lot of research backing this strategy of not only focusing on eating more protein, but also more fiber and just water content. And by water content, I mean not only drinking water, but foods that have water in them. So um, we know protein is filling, and I just walked you through that, so I won't hit on that again. Fiber is also very, very filling, okay? It's very similar to protein in terms of the more protein you eat, the fuller you feel. The more fiber you eat in your diet, the fuller you feel in it seems like there's almost like no limit to fiber in terms of how much fiber you can eat and how much it can benefit your health. Fiber is very, very good for you, okay? Now, 
depending on each individual, a certain amount of fiber may result in some GI distress if you eat too much of it. So that's something to pay attention to. But fiber is very, very filling. Fiber comes in most fruits and vegetables, which is the easiest and most enjoyable way to consume it. Kind of like with what I just said about protein, where I don't want you having all of your protein and supplements and shakes. I don't want you supplementing fiber, okay? I don't want you, uh, what, what is it? Like, uh, man, I forget the fiber. There's fiber supplements out there. I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, but I don't want you getting a lot of fiber in that way. I want you eating lots of fruits and vegetables. Now, the, the, the way this works, and it's kind of like logical, uh, no-nonsense stuff, the more fiber you eat, means you're probably eating more fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are very high volume, which means you can eat a lot of them for a very low amount of calories. So you can fill up on those foods, not log all that much in terms of calories, feel very full. Can you see how that would be helpful? It's pretty, like I said, logical stuff here. More fruits and vegetables equals an easier diet. And uh, fruits and vegetables are honestly delicious. Like it's not hard to eat them. Uh, A lot of adults choose not to, and it's ridiculous because like you're an adult, eat your fruit, eat your vegetables because you're supposed to. Um, But I love doing this in my diet with like, you know, I'll eat whatever the, the main course is, and then I will allow myself to eat as much as I want of vegetables and fruit after I eat whatever that main course is. And I don't even track them. Like I don't even track my fruits and vegetables, um, and it's just unbelievably easy for me to manage my weight because I feel full and satisfied all the time. I love filling up on fruit. If you follow me on Instagram, you see like almost every day I post my fruit bowl, which is normally strawberries and blueberries and apples and pineapple and all this good stuff. It tastes phenomenal, and I bar- it barely makes a dent in terms of calories. You're getting obviously a lot of vitamins and minerals and nutrients that can support your overall health, uh, and again, full of fiber. So it's going to increase the fullness of that meal. So you're able to kind of, that's the strategy I love to use is like tack that onto the end of your meal. So if you're having a protein source for the entree of whatever you're eating, after you're done eating that, eat as much fruit and as many vegetables as you want until you feel full. And that's the end of that meal. And you don't have to track the fruits and vegetables uh, because they're barely going to make a dent anyway. I love that. Now, additionally, water is something that increases fullness. And there's lots of research to show that as well. Now, an easy way to do that is drink a lot of water throughout the day, and you should be doing that because hydration is very, very important, especially if you're trying to lose weight, uh, you know, make, making sure you're hydrated in particular during these hot summer months is something that's going to benefit you, but water can increase fullness. A strategy I really like to use is before each meal, drink a big glass of water, and then at the end of the meal, drink a big glass of water in between, take sips as needed to help you get the food down and digest it, okay? Okay. Um, But additionally, there's lots of different foods that come with water content, and I just talked about a lot of those. So once again, fruits and vegetables are high in water content. And that, I think, if if it doesn't make sense, just think about like any fruit, you can squeeze it and get juice from it, right? There's lots of water in that fruit, which is, in addition to the fiber, part of the reason it makes you feel so full when you eat it, okay? So fruits and vegetables are the same. If you bite into a salad, most of the time there's, uh, you know, some water in those those leafy greens, um, or if you put like peppers on there, cucumbers, really anything that you could put on a salad, any types of vegetables, they're going to come with a little bit of water content. Uh, Water makes those things grow, right? So it's part of the dish, if you will. that can help make a meal very filling as well. So protein, fiber, water. You can track those three things or you cannot track them, but if you prioritize them, you are probably easily going to see your weight go down because of the fullness factor. Those are the three pillars of a filling diet. And so if you can get as much protein, fiber, and water in your diet as possible, you are most likely going to see your weight trend in the direction that you want to go if you have a weight loss goal. So that's, uh, you know, like I said, building on the protein strategy, that was strategy number three. If you want to take it a step further, maybe you don't have to eat that 180 grams, 200 grams, whatever it is of protein. Maybe you can eat a little bit less protein, but incorporate more fruits and vegetables and water into your diet. And uh, it can be just as effective and you could see the weight come off. I mean, pretty efficiently. Okay. Underrated 
weight loss strategy number five that works. This is one I've talked quite a bit about on the podcast before, but I couldn't do this episode without including it. And this underrated strategy is calorie cycling. Um, It's kind of a great combination of everything we've talked about so far. Um, But what calorie cycling is, if you're not familiar, is a strategy where you are regularly having some combination of low calorie and high calorie days across the week, each and every week. And this is different from an accelerated fat loss phase where I mentioned in the fat loss phase, you have high and low calorie days. Those high and low calorie days, whatever the goal is in terms of your calories, you are always going to be in a calorie deficit. Calorie cycling allows you to be in a combination of a calorie deficit and maintenance and even a surplus throughout the week if you want to in order to make your diet as flexible as it possibly can be. Um, And so a way you could manage that um, you know, is Monday through Friday again, like I mentioned that earlier in the ep- this episode where I said it's easiest to be in a routine and, and manage a calorie deficit. So you could be in a calorie deficit Monday through Friday um, and then allocate some of the calories that you've saved by being in a deficit to Friday or to Saturday and Sunday to your weekend and allow you to potentially eat in a calorie surplus on the weekend. But for the week, really what we're looking at with calorie cycling is your weekly calories. For the week, you are in a calorie deficit, okay? Not every day, but for the week, you're in a calorie deficit. And the goal is week to week to week to week, see that you're in a calorie deficit each and every week. Now, okay, how do you figure out a weekly calorie deficit? It's really, really straightforward. So, um, Well, I guess figuring out how to set your calorie deficit is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. I do have resources on my website if you want to check that out. That's a big thing that I help my clients with is setting that calorie number and and setting it the right way. Um, But once you figure out what your calorie deficit calories are, let's use 2,000 just because it's a simple number, what you do is extrapolate that across the entire week. Right, So if your calorie deficit is at 2,000 calories, well, what you could do is reduce calories Monday through Friday to something less than 2,000 so that you can reallocate calories to the weekend and have some flexibility. Um, I I don't have a calculator in front of me, so it's probably going to be hard for me to do the math in front of you, but if you take that calorie deficit, if it's at 2,000 and you reduce it to, let's say, 1,700, that means you're going to be an extra 300 calories in a deficit Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that would mean 300 for five days of the week. That's 1,500 additional calories that you can then reallocate to Saturday and Sunday. So if you're 1,700 calories Monday through Friday and you have 1,500 calories that you can put on your weekend, you could be eating like 27, 2800 calories on Saturday and Sunday. That would probably, I mean, most likely put you in a calorie surplus, but for the week, you hit your daily or your weekly calorie goal, right? Which is in this case, 2000 across seven days would be 14,000 calories. That's really what you're looking at. So, whatever your calorie deficit number is, you multiply that by seven. And then that resulting number is your weekly calorie goal, your weekly calorie deficit. So if it's 2,000 times 7, 14,000 calories is what you want to end up eating by the end of the week. And however you get there is however you get there. So you could do two high days and five low days. You could do four low days and three high days. You could do a high calorie day every other day. Like You could set that up in any way, shape, and form that you want to as long as at the end of the week you are hitting 14,000 calories. If you do that, you will make progress just like everybody else. Now, the one thing to keep in mind is when you have higher calorie days as part of your calorie deficit, there are some funky things that will happen in terms of the scale, okay? And the scale is not always the best way to measure your fat loss progress, which is why I have all my clients take progress photos. We do waist measurements um, because if you think about it, like let's just use that first example that I gave where you're eating low calories Monday through Friday and then you have like 2,800 calories on Saturday and Sunday. 
well, you're going to have more food weight in your system because you ate so much more food on the weekend that the scale on Monday and Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday, is going to be up. It's it's almost certainly going to be up because you have more food weight in your system. You ate more carbs. You had more sodium. You're retaining more water. You got more glycogen in your muscles. Like there are so many things that happen when you eat more calories that the scale is going to get funky. Okay, so you have to understand that about this strategy that it's going to make that a weirder thing to track. But if you're focused on long term, if you're focused on that long term trend, you will, you should still see your progress over time track in the direction that you want it to go. There's just going to be a lot more peaks and valleys there than you probably would have if you did a just regular, regular daily calorie deficit. Okay, so uh, calorie cycling. I I really love it. I do it with my clients all the time. We don't necessarily do it on uh, you know like a consistent basis. Some of my clients do it on a consistent basis. Normally, what we'll do though is look ahead, look at the the week ahead, and talk about okay, oh you have a trip coming up Thursday through Sunday. All right, what we're gonna do is uh, make Monday through Wednesday low calorie days so that you can have a bit higher calorie days Thursday through Sunday. And Thursday's a travel day, so we'll only make it slightly higher calories. Saturday and Sunday or Friday and Saturday are going to be your big days out where you're going to be out and about in the town on your vacation. You want to try different foods. Okay, we'll have those be the very high calorie days. And then Sunday's a travel day back home. So we'll bring the calories back down a bit on Sunday. Like that's a that's a typical scenario where we'll use calorie cycling across the week to set you up for success. But at the end of the week, again, you're going to be uh, in a calorie deficit for that week. Um, and the last thing I'll say, and I've said this before, so I won't belabor the point too much. When you have those high calorie days, they're not free-for-alls. They are not shit shows. <laughs> they are not your opportunity to go balls to the wall with your diet. Uh, they are an opportunity to have more flexibility, and that's the point of calorie cycling, but you still must be structured. You still must be deliberate, okay? That is unbelievably important because a big fallback with calorie cycling is some people have a really hard time reigning in those high calorie days and they stop tracking because you think, well, I got like 800 more calories today than normal. Uh, I don't need to track. There's no way I'll, I'll get to that. And then you have four slices of pizza and you're already in a calorie surplus. Like it, it can happen quickly. It can spin out of control quickly. So you got to continue to be deliberate with your diet. Uh, but it's a great strategy if you can be responsible with it. So uh, that's going to wrap it up. Those are the top five underrated weight loss strategies that work. Uh, I hope you found them helpful. Uh, I would love to hear from you if you are interested in trying one or if you have questions about any of these. So feel free to reach out. Um, I love uh, you know providing help and feedback where I can. You can find me on any social media platform, uh, Chris Gates Fitness. Just look me up. And uh, I'm even on threads now. Over the past week, uh, Instagram launched its own version of Twitter and everybody in social media is going crazy. You can even find me there. But uh, Instagram is normally the easiest place to, to get a hold of me if you're interested. And it's just Chris Gates Fitness. So you can find me there. Uh, shoot me a message or drop a comment and a review wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. So if you're watching it on YouTube, drop me a comment. I'll hit you up back in there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else uh, and you can leave a rating and a comment, that would be super helpful. I'm told it helps the podcast reach more people. I have no knowledge as to how the hell that actually happens, uh, but I'm told it helps. So if you have a minute and uh, you found this episode helpful, I would love for you to do that. Um, But uh, otherwise, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, August 7th, mark your calendar, August 7th. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. It's going to be training camp, and I'm super excited for it. I hope you are too. Uh, All right, wrap it up here. I'll talk to you again in the next one. Talk to you soon.